Ben Fred Fridays and Scoops with DannyMac.com. We visit with Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and we do it every single Friday here on the website. And make sure you... Uh, click on Scoops with Danny Mac to get all your podcasts throughout the week. And there's all kinds of podcasts. Martin Kilcoin, you've got Brian Walton on Wednesdays, Ben Fredrickson on Fridays, uh, various great guests that we've had here recently. Ali Marmol was a part of it. Uh, a number of different celebrities here in town have been a part of that as well. So make sure you download Scoops with Danny Mac. If you're currently sideways with the IRS, you have years of unfiled tax returns keeping you up at night. That's all about Mark Milton, IRS problems. Visit stltaxlawyer.com. And remember, the choice of a lawyer is an important decision. Should not be based solely on advertisements. The weather going up and down, and that means pests could be in your home. You need to get rid of them. Pest solutions, mole and lawn rodent solutions, bird control, wildlife solutions, Rodler Pest Control, the most trusted family-owned pest control company in the region. And when you call them, tell them you heard it right here on Scoops with Danny Mack. And that's rottler.com, and their number is 877-ROTTLER, 877-768-8537. Well, Ben, not much uh, going on in the way of um, Cardinal baseball, huh? It was a busy week, wasn't it? Yeah, nothing to talk about. No controversies, no uh, no news. So uh, just a calm, quiet offseason. Oh, wait, no. The Cardinals are having a uh, pretty big turnover on their staff. They're going to raise that payroll, and they need to bring in some new faces for the bench for the roster. So we got a lot to dig into, man. The Blues are up and running. Missouri football had one of the strangest homecoming wins. What a great win. A long what time. a great win. we got a lot to talk about, brother. What a great win, huh? We going to start there? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. It's a – I guess when you are losing close games – it's uh-huh. always good to win a close game. You better. You're just make a homer because you went to Mizzou. You better. Let's be honest. You better about make this. that a uh, a turn in the direction of figuring out how to win. Period. How about uh, second half adjustments? How about that? Can we a little second half adjustments? What about uh, Eli being this great architect of offense, Fair. and you're not seeing much offense? All right, let's really get down to it. I think if you ask me today, if you got to give the guy a fourth year, I'd say yes. However. There are going to be things that sway opinions one way or the other the rest such of as, the season, such as can an offensive line that that can't get its act together get a little bit better? Can there be signs that a quarterback answer is coming? Um, I would have liked to see Sam Horn play a little bit. He's going to need to be the starter for this team next season, we think, and we haven't seen him play one time. How does the recruiting hold up when that transfer portal opens? Hmm. Is there a, is there a mass exodus of talent? Can he keep Blake Baker, the guy who's been the most impressive guy on his staff, as defensive coordinator? Um, look, I know that that Missouri is focused on trying to win every game, and that's that's their focus now. But if you're Desiree Reed Francois, you're looking at which angle is this leaning toward? Which trajectory does this team have? And we've seen Dan, her willingness to say, "Hey, this isn't moving the way I want. I'm going to pull the bandaid off now. I'm going to go hire a coach that I think can get the job done." It happened with Conzo Martin, who she had a good relationship with. She didn't like the recruiting. She didn't like the direction. Could it happen with Eli Drinkwitz? Too early to say, but it could. How much unless money they get it, some positivity. How much money would it cost the university? They got enough. Was you it can four buy million out, bucks? You can buy out any coach. He makes four million a year. Um, you know, no contract in the SEC is unbuyoutable. Yeah. Um, just like just like this this myth about well, nobody would want the job. Come on, guys. It's an SEC job. Every coach who's not in the SEC would be interested to some degree. In an SEC job now, maybe not if you're at Michigan or or USC, but any up and coming coach interested in a job, that job pays 
right now a coach $4 million a year who had been a head coach for one season at App State. You're telling me there wouldn't be coaches out there interested in a $4 million job? Of course there would be. And you better believe she's got a list of coaches that she thinks could succeed there. And that's regardless of whether she Every thinks AD Eli does. is going to yeah. get it figured out or not. I, I think she keeps a list of, of coaches she thinks could succeed. So this is going to be a telling telling finish here, whether it's for a bowl game or not. It doesn't that that's not going to be the deciding factor. A win total is not going to be the deciding factor. Right now it's why hasn't this team, why hasn't this offense progressed? How did it not know it needed to have these pieces and how much can it get better? You got to figure out a way to win one of these next two games. You've got South Carolina this weekend, you've got Kentucky. You got to win one because if not, you're not going to beat Tennessee. No one's going to give you any praise for beating New Mexico, taking care of business there. So these next two weeks are big. Got to make the Vanderbilt game some sort of a turning point. You know, the interesting thing about Luther Burden is that he is getting targeted yeah. a lot, and he's had a ton of drops. Now, I do think that there's ways that you can get a little bit more creative with him, like quick slants, things that he did in high school. Obviously, special teams, if he can catch the ball on punts, uh, and you feel comfortable with him going back and doing that. But, you know... I, I know a lot of the focal point from even just a casual Missouri fan is what, what's going on with Luther Burden. Well, they they do target him a ton. He, he I think he's had the most targets of any freshman in the SEC. So they are trying to get him the ball. Some of it's on him. He's got to be healthy, which he yep. can always control. The he's got to catch sprain. balls that hit him in the hands. That's that is something he can control. I think a lot of the angst about the play calling is should be more angst about the players on the field. If you don't have an offensive line capable of blocking anybody, you can't run creative plays. What what do you have to do to be able to throw the ball downfield or to run, you know, triple reverse passes and, and and you know all this fancy stuff that Eli could potentially want to do? You have to be able to stop the opposing defense from immediately getting on your quarterback. Wow. They're they're struggling to, to 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 block effectively at the offensive line. That's why you see holding penalties. That's why you see false starts. Guys are overcompensating for getting physically, you know, beat at the line of scrimmage and, and they're struggling to, you know, have the kind of consistent quarterback play you need in the conference. They've got Cody Schrader who's running the ball well. And right now that's kind of it. So I think what you're seeing is really Eli kind of pull in the offense to try to do what they can do well before he starts trying to expand it with with players that he doesn't have. Now I'm not giving him an excuse there. I'm saying I don't think it's as much play calling as it is personnel. And in year three, the personnel needs to be there. He's recruited well. Some of the guys we haven't seen play. So I think for him, it's, he needs to start throwing some of those young guys in there because he's either going to sink or swim based off of the success of his recruiting. And if those guys don't start start showing up now and next year, then it's, it's going to be over. Well, the other thing, too, is second-half adjustments. And if I'm an AD, that is a really big factor of what I watch here down the stretch. What kind of adjustments does my coaching staff make in the second half of games to to put me in a position to win or to not blow a lead like they had over the weekend at, at homecoming? I, I don't know if you agree with that, but the adjustments, I've got to see better adjustments as I go along uh, in these games. And I, I think there's been a pattern this year where you have not seen that. I think there have been too many self-caused mistakes. Sure. And the reason... And that's you, another coaching thing, too. You look at South Carolina and you go, well, how is South Carolina ranked? They're 25th, and it's like, well, they've kind of beaten, they've had some, they've played all their soft games and they've won them, but they've also won some close games. And that's what you have to do when you're not quite at the tip top where you want to be. You get you better find a way to win one possession game. South Carolina has found ways to do it. Missouri has found ways 
to lose those games. Mm-hmm. Fumbling in the red zone, um, you know, bad penalties that kill drives when you have a chance to punch in a touchdown. Preventable mistakes that that really come down to discipline and doing the right thing in practice every day. And you know, interceptions are going to happen, but they can't be the most egregious pick sixes of all time. I mean, minimizing the things that really kind of the shoot themselves in the foot type stuff. That's coaching. That's got to be cleaned up. If they would have cleaned that up sooner, they'd have at least one more, probably two more wins. And then it might be Missouri that's popping up at 25th in the poll because voters at that point don't know who else to rank. And you see an SEC team that's won more games than you lost, and you go, well, they might be pretty good. They're not that far away from it, but the reason they're not there is because they've found ways to hurt themselves. So if I'm the AD, that's what I want to see go away. I want to see cleaner football. I know this team is limited in some ways, I know its defense is good enough to win some games, especially with some of the schedule that's coming up now. I'd like to see the offense get some traction, but also I'd like to see the team stop digging holes for itself to fall into. I also think that there there is something to stability in coaching staffs and keeping guys around and giving them the full four to six years to try to build a program. There is something to that with keeping people in. Now, you, you may have some lumps along the way and some bad moments, and certainly Mizzou has has had that. But I do think that there's something for trying to stay as consistent as you can in that spot. I think Mizzou has a coach firing problem right now. I think its appetite of the fan base has gotten to where it's three years they get that three year itch. Okay, everybody loved Conzo Martin when Barry Odom was was under heat. Okay, Eli Drinkwitz comes in. Everybody loves Eli Drinkwitz, and everybody is ready to run Conzo Martin out of town. Okay, here now everybody loves Dennis Gates, and everybody wants to run Eli Drinkwitz out of town. It's like, do you see the picture here? Um, and I'm not saying that Eli's the answer. I'm just saying that you have the decision you make is: is it worth another season to give his full recruiting a chance to either bloom or not, versus starting this all over again with someone else that you're really not going to know what they're all about until year three. Right. So right now I'd say one more year recruiting make or break. Now, if the transfer portal opens and all those guys you were excited about to see next year are gone or you lose key parts of that or your the recruiting tanks off in a big way, well, then you have to readjust that situation. And that's what I mean by it's not about a win total. It's about every every program has a little sense of which what direction is it moving in. And the biggest, one of the things that's a headwind for Eli right now, Dan, is a lot of the guys who are in that class of his, they're in a better spot and seem to be moving toward a better one right now than Missouri is. Tennessee, Josh Heupel, killing it. Um, you know, Illinois, Brett Bielema, killing it. Even at Kansas, they're getting it going. Now, some of these programs started off in a better spot than Missouri. Kansas didn't. And look at what's going on there. These teams are developing an identity. They're, they're, they're starting to build traction. Missouri right now is, is behind. Your question has to be, is is year four going to be worth the patience? Mm-hmm. And that's if, if you're Desiree Reed, Francois, and Moon Choi, that's, that's what you're wa- thinking about as you're watching these games. How about uh, the Cardinals and what happened this past week? So hearing about a fan base and at times can be a little rough on people, apparently a little <laughs> no, rough on no. Jeff you don't ever get any. You don't ever no. get any critical comments, no, do you? No, when the team's playing poorly, yeah. I— I, that's when the best comments come out. They just love you. You know, people people do understand, Dan, that the team directly is affected by how you call a game and how I cover a game. So it's really on us when the team starts. Same thing with a, a no-hitter. Don't mention it. <laughs> yeah, you, you know you control it. I've heard multiple pitchers talk about how they lost their no-hitter because yes. they heard the broadcast yes. on the mound. Yeah. It happens a lot. In red Twitter. Yeah. So Jeff Albert gone. Uh, Brian Eversgird gone. 
Mike Maddox gone, Skip Schumacher gone. So there is a ton of turnover with the coaching staff. I didn't see all of this coming. I thought Mike Maddox would step aside. I had heard rumblings about that. I expected Jeff Albert to be back. Expected Eversgird to be back, although didn't really know. I just thought that that was just going to be a turnover and he'd be back and that'd be fine. Uh, and, sh- and Skip, I-, I thought there was a shot to to get the Miami job. But before that, I was told that he had no interest in managing. Well, money can change a lot. I- and I got to wonder if that's what happened here. You know, he's going to have to uproot his family. And y- you would think and, and go and be engaged in the-, the community in South Florida. But that was a little bit of a surprise for me because he has a young kid, uh, two young kids, but one is a, a a boy that's going into or right at high school, maybe in like freshman, sophomore year, and then wanted to spend more time with him. And that changes now when you're the manager. I mean, you're in a, in a way, you're the CEO, you're the face of the franchise. So a uh, little bit surprised at that one, but those are a lot of guys. What was your takeaway from a couple of days ago in the, the press conference with Mo? Skip, the skip news didn't stun me because – we all kind of knew it was a matter of time as to when he was going to be a manager. I thought he might want to spend a couple years here, but then again, Dan, when opportunity knocks, you got to be careful about shutting the door on it. I mean, there's only 30 of those jobs. That's right. And you might not get another shot at one of them. So I also think the Marlins are probably a team that's more appealing now than they have been in recent years. You know, Kim Ang is doing good things there. They they just seem more willing to try and to be innovative well, and to compete. And they I, spent money last year. And I can see how that could be an appealing option for him. They spent money on Soler, Avisail Garcia. Now it's spending it wisely. They, Correct. You know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're going to have really good pitching again. And he's got think. an ace in the pocket, yeah. which is that's a great way to start a staff. And they've so, got some young pitching coming. So, But you're in the East. Yeah. That's what makes it really tough. And you get to see the Cardinals across the way at spring training. That'd be unique, Be huh? reminded every spring training Grapefruit League game of what you don't have, which which could be tough. But, look, if you want if you want to do that job and somebody comes and wants you, you gotta, you got to be really bold to say, no, that now's not the time. Because yeah. there might not be another time. So I don't uh, – that one didn't shock me. Mad Dog didn't stun me because just the, where he is in his career. And we heard Ollie talk a lot this season – about kind of where he wants to go pitching wise, and it it never came across as like conflict with Maddox at all. I think they got along fine. I, I think it was more of like he saw where they weren't and where the game was going, and he wanted to push in that direction. And I think I could totally understand if Matt, Maddox is like, "Look, man, I've been doing it this way for a long time. I've been good at it. I agree and see what you're saying, but I'm not the guy to do that. I'm gonna go golf, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and we'll see if he gets back in. If he goes to a place that maybe is more more of a traditional if the Cardinals are modernizing. I don't know what the future holds for him, but it doesn't surprise me because Ali has been talking about let's go get strikeouts. Let's go get swing and miss stuff. Yeah, we should play good defense and keep the ball on the ground, but we need more swing and miss. So that meshes with maybe some of the changes that we're going to see there. The Albert one, I didn't I think he would be gone simply because I was kind of talking to the people who were making the contracts. The Cardinals' side of things was that they wanted him back. Right. And they thought he would be back. They were surprised. And they had a pretty decent year offensively. A great year. Top five in OPS. They were good situationally in the regular season, if you look at the numbers. The one thing that I couldn't figure out, and it doesn't really matter, I guess, because the results were there, some of the numbers that they pointed to in the past when the offense was struggling to produce, look at the hard hits, look at the exit velocity, look at the barrel rate. Yep. Those were actually down right. this year compared to when the offense was struggling. So now you're going to give me a bunch of BABIP. 
I'm just saying the production was up and the, the predictive stuff it, was baby. down. I think what my point here is reality matters more than predictive. People don't fret about the offense when they're producing runs and hitting the ball. If you're trying to convince someone your offense is better than it is, you're, that's when you're getting into trouble. They didn't have to do that this year. And I, I think everybody was prepared to say, hey, this Albert thing, it was bumpy at times. Modernizing this approach, clearly the people who clashed with them, they got pushed out. Some of the hitters took a while to address. I thought this season, Dan, we actually saw more buy-in. They were also kind of speaking the same language. I think Turner Ward was really good. They had a good yin and yang going. We were hearing guys kind of speak that for the first time this year, I thought since Albert showed up in 19, there was as clear and concise of a Cardinals plan of hitting that was verbalized to reporters, to everybody within the team. They were looking for pitches that they could punish, and they were going to be selective in that and they were going to hit the ball hard when they got there, try to hit it hard in the air. And it's like, well, that's that's what Mark McGuire was talking about. Put it in the coffee can and, and drive yeah. it. So you can explain it a bunch of different ways. I thought you saw guys, when they, the Cardinals were at their hottest, they were incredibly picky at the plate, and then they were jumping on stuff they wanted. And so I think everybody was kind of ready to say, this worked. And then you get to the postseason, and it's like, oh, we've seen that offense before. Yeah, and I it agree. it was bound up. I don't think it was guys... I really think, and I talked to a player about this after the season ended, I think they fall into this trap where every guy goes up there thinking he's got to be the guy. And it's not so much like selfish. It's more of like, I want to do this so bad for my team. It's 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 go win the game with one cut. And what do we see in the playoffs, Dan? We see Harper hit a home run one at bat and bunt the next. It's a desperate attempt to score runs. It's, it's a different, you have to hit differently in the postseason. One of the things this team struggles to do has struggled to do under this approach is struggled to hit differently if a starter is locked in they go quiet if 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 somebody's got nasty stuff we we saw 17 times this offense was shut out this season i don't think it's everything but i don't i think it's something and i think it's something that in eight of their last 15 postseason games they scored one or no runs that's that's at some point yeah there's some randomness in the postseason but at some point that's a characteristic of an offense sometimes it's good to go outside an organization to have a different set of eyes come in and evaluate what you have um i'll be curious if the cardinals do that i'm also curious about matt holiday chris carpenter and bring guys back into the fold bring them back into the family i might talk to david Eckstein. there's another one that i i would maybe see if there's an interest there um and there's some guys maybe from the Memphis Mafia that want to come back and be a part of this, but have a former player in those roles. Um, it just It's automatic respect, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't respect somebody because they didn't play the game. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that I do think, though, that there there is something to the fact that Turner Ward played the game, played a long time, and understands what it's like to be in the box with 40,000 people screaming to get you out. And there's something to that. So... That'll be interesting to see. Jason Isringhausen is another one. I mean, in an offseason, he, he uh, you know, took all the analytics classes you could to be as up-to-date as you possibly can. So you have the old-school look at it, which is the eye test, and former players that usually wind up being coaches, which has happened many times. But then you have to also have an eye on the modern game and what's happening now. It's a kind of a give-and-take with that. So I'm, I'm fascinated at what direction they go with that to see if there's something to what I'm saying there, if, if that even holds water with them, if that's even important to them. I think it's important to them, and I think Ollie is smart. And we see different kinds of leaders sometimes in sports. We see guys who know maybe some areas where they're 
I don't want to say they're not strong, but they something a box they can't check. And there's two ways to go about that. Some guys, and this is the wrong way, they say, "Well, I'm not going to put anybody around me then who can check that box," mm-hmm. because it's almost like a Ollie doesn't care. Ollie is like, I know what Just, I know what me. I'm good at, and I know areas that I I don't have experience, so I'm going to go build my staff to check the boxes that I don't check. Who's going to help me win? Exactly. That's all he cares about. And if, if, if I think he will understand the importance of having some been there and done that at the major league level in his in his dugout. I think that's partly why Skip was such a good fit exactly. for one season. So Holiday, you know, he's got a lot going on family-wise. I know he's kind of slow-played the idea of a return now, but he would have instant respect. Um, he's obviously got a close relationship with Nolan. The guys you mentioned would all be great. And the Cardinals don't have to go out and just hire a hitting coach. They know the fans will maybe be more more nice to. But the fact that they wanted Jeff Albert back and he decided, no, I, I would prefer not to come back. I'll go do something else because I, I just don't like the public noise. You've got to get somebody, Dan, who is ready for the pressures of a job. This is probably one of like two, three, four baseball cities where people know who the hitting coach is and care. And I'm not saying it's some of the people are nuts. We know this. But you you have to either ignore that or turn it into motivation. Whatever you do, you can't let it affect you. And one thing that former players pretty much have locked down is they don't they don't let noise outside no. of their organization affect them. If they did, they would have never been guys who, who hit for 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 any respectable amount of time or played well in the pros. You can't I mean, and I you cannot let that stuff get to you. And if that really was as big of a part of his decision as the Cardinals thought, then they've, they've got to at least factor that into some of their, their hires here. Yeah, in baseball, in St. Louis, the hitting coach is a big deal. It's not everywhere, but it is here. So you maybe got to get somebody there who is either more able or willing to shut out, shut out all that noise. How about uh, spending money? If you're the Cardinals, how I like you... making. I like telling the Cardinals to spend money. I've been saying that. I'm, I'm ahead of the curve. I've been trying yeah, no to get the Cardinals to spend more money for a long time. Yeah, no one. I'm on an island. Said. No By one way, has ever argued. The misconception this. is it's is easy that, to spend other people's money, but the Cardinals have spent money. I know. No, the, that's the, a, the that's idea. The misconception of the fan base is that they have 100%. not spent money. Now yeah. you can argue how they spent that money. Sure, Brett Cecil, others that came here, it just didn't work out. But they have spent the money, and I, I would anticipate they know they've got to get a catcher. And the the two, you know, Kisner and Herrera, they they aren't everyday catchers. They're just not, not yet. And so right now, I, I I'm looking at Contreras or making a trade with Oakland. Uh, I'm looking at a frontline starter with swing and miss, and you can't have enough pitching. Those are the two areas I'd address immediately. And then at some point, I'm going to try to find a bat too. The Gotta Cardinals. Find that. A lot of times this season, the the knock on the Cardinals was they're making all this money from Albert Pujols being back, and they got to they got to not pretend that, that we don't know that and they got to invest it. <laughs> I give John Mose a lot credit. He started this press conference by saying, we had a really great season financially and we are going to put that back into the team. Payroll's going up. He said it like three times. Yep. So he wasn't beating around the bush. You don't say payroll's going up if it's going to go up by a million dollars. So I mean, they, they're they, going to they're gonna take the benefit of the Pujols-Palooza and they're going to inject that back into this team. And will it guarantee that they go deeper in the postseason? There's no guarantee. Do you look at some of the postseason teams and some of the teams that could have gone deeper in the postseason very easily and say they've maybe got a lineup that's a little more deep, a little more feared than what the Cardinals had and two guys going and, and Albert coming on strong? Yeah. So I think they're saying we got to beef up the lineup a little bit, got to get a catcher, maybe a catcher who helps you beef up the lineup. 
I like the Contreras. Idea. I do too. I I think he, they, I think they're down on his defense. I, I think the I, organization is. Here's my question: Everybody, including Contreras, thought he'd be traded, and he wasn't. Right? Why? Well, yeah, nobody wanted to pay the cost. Either the Cubs were asking too much, or teams were questionable about him. Combination of the two. I, I don't think the price tag was that high because the Cubs knew he was not coming back, essentially. So you're going to try to get whatever you can out of that asset. So why didn't teams want to pull the trigger and make that deal? What is there that I'm missing well, is, is my point. Not a lot of teams. Well, I'm trying to think, was there was there a big catcher trade at the deadline? No, but is it a hard position? I don't look at him as just a catcher. I'm with you. That's part of the reason I think he'd be a good fit here. You want Kisner to play some here, or Herrera next. So, the modern catcher for the Cardinals is not going to be the Yadier Molina marathon man. Those days are over. Yeah. So you got a primary catcher, and then you've got already guys you want to play some. So he played 79 or 80 games last year. He can DH. You know, he hits right-handed starters well. I'm just a. I think sometimes you get into trouble. Like I see this in coaching hires at times where you're like, okay, that worked, so let's go out and repeat it. And oftentimes, sometimes a good thing to do is that worked, let's go out and get somebody who does it a little differently but also can work. The Cardinals haven't had an offensive catcher for a while. Their offensive production in terms of OPS by position this year, the worst spot by far, was catcher. Oh, yeah. Down toward the bottom of the league. We want to talk about shortstop. Mid twenties, tw- high twenties. We want to talk about outfield, all in the teens. Like they're the biggest drag on their lineup this season was that catcher. Now they can say catcher offense is a is a plus, but you got to focus on the defense. Well, here's the thing, Dan. Catcher defense is becoming. They're phasing it out of the game, mm-hmm. and I I hate that. Well, it shouldn't happen. Electronic strike zone it's might coming. be here in two years. So. It's not coming next year. It's coming after that. I mean, it's. The position is changing, so I do think offense is going to be more. I think a lot of teams are going to have hitting catchers moving forward, yeah. and I think it's already going that way. So, yeah, I like Contreras, and I, I like the fact that he has studied Yadier Molina. They're not the same player. His defense isn't as good, but he's got a hell of a right arm, and he hits, and he's got some. He's got some swagger. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe if his personality wouldn't be a fit, that's what you got to know your players. You that's what talk I'm to guys, and maybe he's polarizing. But you know what, Dan? You know who was polarizing to a lot of people. Albert Pujols. Yadier Molina. And Albert Pujols. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The polarizing guy, he's only polarizing if you play against him. He's not polarizing when, when he's going to bat for your team and when he's firing up your guys. I, I do think there could be an element added to this team of some a little bit of a rabble rouser. I think they could use that. Wainwright's coming back one more year, so he's five shy of 200 wins, and you can say what you want about wins. He's getting there, yeah, I, I, and it's I still, huge. I still think they mean something. I think if he gets there, he's he's a Hall of Famer. I, I, he's he's right on the doorstep of it. Right now he is. But you get to 200, 200 plus this day and age, that's a lot. And especially when now, when you look at guys only going five and fly and not seeing a lineup a third time, all those kind of things, the days of, of the 250-win guy, are those are days gone by. Because players just want, pitchers won't stay in games long enough to get wins. I still value wins. I don't value them as much as I used to. I look at ERA and innings and strikeouts and various things that go along with the advanced metrics, but I still think there's a value to wins. I do. I think quality, Call me an old man. I, I will. You are. I quality am. starts in innings is what is my bread and butter, which is yep. like uh, – Well, he's got plenty it's, of innings. It's the, it's the same conversation. You look at what he's done. 
I, I know I've said this a million times. You look at what he's done since the pandemic, and he's been one of the most reliable Top guys five. around. Yeah. It was a terrible last month. I do think that Adam Wainwright, perhaps more than anyone else, knows the difference between, oh, my God, I've lost it. I've officially lost to Father Time versus my mechanics were out of whack and I lost my bullets. In off season, in off season, I'm going to be ready to pitch some more. I, I do think he knows that. Now, is he being honest with himself? And his final year, coming in in great shape. We'll, knowing, we'll find out. You know. but, but my God, you saw what Albert Pujols did when he was motivated for his final season. Albert Pujols was not the last, was not the first or the last Cardinal to be motivated to do well in his final season to go out and do it. Okay, some of the some of the best Cardinals had final seasons that were like, oh, they knew it was the end. And I, will Adam be geared up for it? Absolutely. Talked about the Hall of Fame. The case will get stronger. You know what would make the case stronger? A deep playoff run. Yeah. Him reminding people that he can do this in the postseason. He hoped to get that shot this year. And I think a big reason he's back is because he was motivated by by how that ended. You It'd be need, tough to go out that way, as proud as he is. Right. That last and month would not have sat well with him. You don't need, and now he wants to. In his in his mind, he is the ace, and that's exactly what you want him to think. He doesn't have to be that for this group. It, you're paying him. You're not paying him some ridiculous contract. You're 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 paying him what you would pay for that kind of performance, and he can be anywhere between your your second to fifth starter, depending on how he pitches and how the guys around him pitch. Uh, to remind this to fans because they say, "Well, if you bring back Pujols or bring back Adam, then what else do you do? Whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Like bringing back Adam Wainwright does not stop the Cardinals from going out and getting a strikeout. If Justin Verlander, if they're like, okay, two years for Justin Verlander, we said we're going to raise payroll. Let's just go get it. If they like the way that he could pitch for them, and they think that he's going to be sustainable, which who knows what they what they think about Justin Verlander. I'm just saying he's going to be a free agent. Bringing back Adam Wainwright doesn't stop you from going and signing a Justin Verlander or trading sure. for a guy. You you might have to send somebody else out. Okay, you know, trade Jordan Montgomery and get somebody who's better than him. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to do that either, but the rotation is not Adam Wainwright or bust. I agree. And they yeah. can they can fluctuate it. They you can never have enough. You can send guys to the bullpen, and here's the deal, man. Every spring, somebody's going to get hurt. It just happens. It's an unfortunate reality, but you can plan for it. I'm fascinated what they do with Tyler O'Neill. If they're bought in for one more year to say, let's tap into that great talent that he's got. Let's see if we can't get it out of him. Or if they say, we've seen enough. He's been injured way too much, and it's time to, to cut bait. And Jordan Walker, welcome to the show. Can you do both? Yeah, probably. Maybe. But if Walker comes up, he's got to play. Yeah, a play. And I think you send him to spring training and say, go earn it. Yeah. Go, go make it obvious. Um, with Tyler, it sounded like talking you know, when Mo talked yesterday that they're they're going to kind of challenge him, be here this offseason, get your body right, like this is it, which is kind of the Paul DeYoung plan. Um, that didn't work for them. I think his fate is not entirely in his own hands right now. I think it would could and could depend on what they look to do in trades. And That's how what other I mean. teams view him. Yeah. I don't think you can make him untradeable. Um, I think if he's back, you can feel good about hoping that he stays healthy and proving something's wrong. I mean, you saw him have an MVP conversation type season. So you don't just say, oh, he's lost cause. But if some team wants him and he's stopping you from getting a catcher, or if some team wants him and he's stopping you from getting a more proven bat that 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 is not going to be in and out based off injuries, then I don't I think this past season was the one where he could have locked that door, and he didn't. Yeah. 
I, I think I, the entire outfield is like that. Yeah, I, I mean, Dylan Carlson, another Same one. Same way. I, I do wonder, though, how injured Dylan was this Sounds season. Sounds like the wrist, and yeah. you've mentioned this. I mean, you were you see stuff a lot of times before before the the average Joe because you're calling the games and watching it but his his wrist it sounds like was limiting him some I will still I'm still gonna wait on Dylan I'm still gonna give him I, oh time. yeah for sure so he's still and I, I'm getting tired great of kid they love so him. young yeah we forget how young he is and if he's a bust then I'll I can get ripped for saying just give it some time but I'm, I'm not there yet and I do think this upcoming season, it, it's got to be one where guys who've said give it time look right. Yeah. Because we're running out of time well, defending Dylan Carlson Especially here. from the left side of the plate. And that's, you know, does he become just a platoon guy if he can't hit from both sides of the plate? That's something that you have to think about. Yeah, you have to. I mean, I do. he's got to be more than that. I mean, yep. he should be. And this is not a guy, too. And this is important to point out. Like, sometimes I think this thing happens, Dan, with the Cardinals because they do such a good job getting their players ready where they come up. A guy flashes for a little bit, then he cools off because that's baseball, A. And B, like, they're just maybe league average or a little bit better player. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. Not every player who debuts for this team in a draft and develop type team is going to be an all-star consecutively forever. Not pro- Progress is not linear. But Carlson's a guy, he's a dude. I mean, he was a prospect. He was a, he was a high draft pick. Those are the guys who need to, to be future leaders, stars of this team. I mean, if if... If Tommy Edmond, and he hasn't done this, but if Tommy Edmond falls off a cliff, like people get upset, but it's like, okay, he probably was playing beyond what was his assigned potential for a while. Carlson has not played up to his assigned potential. Would you bring back uh, Quintana? I don't. I love Quintana and what he did. I don't know how he fits now with Wainwright back and with this idea that they need to add a bigger piece. Mm-hmm. I think he might. Because he's not swing and miss either. No, and they need that. And, and he was really good, but. Hoping he's as good next year, I think they can do better than him. If you bring him back, I think you have to trade Montgomery. Yeah, and then probably add someone on top. They, I think that if they're going to add to the rotation, you add to the top of it, not the middle of it. They've got enough middle to to lower middle guys. Right, that's interesting. That is, and isn't he going to? He's also probably going to get a multi year deal. I would say he's looking at he he made Two himself with an some, option three three nine to ten per that kind of thing. I mean, he made himself a lot of money. There's no doubt about it. Don't the Cardinals need – the Cardinals started Jose Quintana game one of the playoffs, and he did a great job. Don't they need a guy in this rotation who you – and it was kind of who they're going to start. We talked about it for a week. Don't they need to add a guy who everybody knows is going to start game yeah. one of the playoffs? and that's what I'm saying, a front like, line number one. If you lay out the game one playoff starters of all of the postseason, you're going to – see a difference in what the Cardinals sent out. And that's not a knock on Q. He did a good job. You're going to see a difference in, in who the other teams put out there. All right, I'll wrap it up with this. Uh, World Series, you got Phillies, you got Houston. Who do you like? Uh, Houston was my pick from day one. Oh, it so, was. Yeah. I had the Yankees, um, so I'm an idiot. Uh, I will. I, I, I kind of like – I'm on the Phillies uh, narrative here. I think uh, – and I, you know me. And I'm on the record here. I'm like a Bryce Harper super fan. So It's okay. I'll ride with Harper. I love him too. He should be here. He should be here. He would have been perfect here. Oh, my God, dude. Like, every kid would be named Harper. They'd all have the haircut. Yeah. And and people say, well, then they wouldn't have, you know, Nolan and, and Goldschmidt. Then they could have them, too. And they, they'd, you be love winning, spending money, they'd be winning boy. World Series. It would be great. You love spending money. It's not mine. I know. I'm with Harper you, Harper would have crushed it here. Let's. He just would have been awesome. Oh, yeah. The fan base would have – they would have loved him. And he would have loved playing in a baseball-crazed city. 
and but Philly is too. I mean, Philly's a great sports town. So when you're doing well, man, they get behind your guys. Yeah, just don't read Twitter when they're not doing well. That's true too. No one should read. Basically, the to 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 if we're gonna storybook end our podcast here this week, it's never read the comments or Twitter or emails or. I said with uh, Martin yesterday. I said if I was a coach, manager, probably a player, as hard as it would be not to look. I would just delete my accounts. I, I wouldn't listen to talk radio. I wouldn't read the paper. No offense. I, I would just try to stay in a cocoon of just trying to do my job to keep my head above water. I think it is telling that the two highest paid and most most popular players on this team in terms of performance, Yadi, of course, Adam, incredibly popular, but in terms of the, the two biggest baseball stars on this team, Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arnott are the two guys who are going to receive a ton of MVP votes. To my knowledge, are inactive on all forms of social media. I, I, think, I think that's correct. I think there's an Instagram account that is not run by Nolan, but like they're not on. No, I don't. Maybe think there's something be. to be learned, learned in from that. And of course, subscribe on social media to all of the scoops and uh, well, that's, all that's our Twitter different. accounts. Yeah, that's totally different. They they love scoops. So I've been told. <laughs> I can't confirm that. <laughs> There's a point there though, right? You can't control it. No. If it gets you if it gets you high, that's great, but it, that means it's also going to have an ability to bring you down. No no doubt. You're a human it's being. It's not helping you. Like I don't think Goldschmidt is like, "Oh my god, if I would have logged into my Instagram, there were 13 people there who were telling me how to hit in September. I I should have known." But you have a team run it and you use yeah. it for marketing. Marketing or whatever of, you want to yeah. draw attention to, but you don't get involved in that. No, I agree. Uh, what are you working on this weekend at the Post Dispatch? Lots and lots of Cardinals coverage. I've got a column up about the the end of the Jeff Albert era at stltoday.com. More coming on some of the pitching stuff that you and I touched on. That'll be this weekend. And then uh, a column hopefully about the uh, Musial Awards coming uh, in Sunday that I'm excited about. And Albert will be a part of that. He is committed to being in town for the uh, Musial Awards, correct? He is, yeah. And there's a there's a couple younger baseball players that are going to be there too. I don't want to give too much away that I think is a really cool story. Have they announced that yet, who those people are? No. Okay, that's so the that's the tease. The column, Dan, yeah. Okay, all right. God. Thanks for doing this. You bet, man. Have a good weekend. All right, that's Ben Fredrickson. I'm Danny Mack. And don't forget about Scoops with Danny Mack on Fox 2, 1030 this Sunday night.